Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Upside Swings Draft Podcast, the podcast with the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, joined as always by Stone Hansen and Ryan Davis. And uh, we're very excited to bring on uh, the next in our series of guests, um, the one man we've had on here who's talked to Ben Taylor before. So uh, obviously basketball Twitter royalty. Um, and that's one Evan Zoucha. Um, Evan, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thank you guys so much for having me on and for uh, all the undue flattery at the start of the episode. I don't think I've ever been uh, been blushing so hard at the start of an episode. You guys are great. Absolutely. This is uh, this is what I've been excited for. Uh, I've been listening to Sense and Scalability since episode one. So and I, I've read your work for over a year, I think, when you first published is when I first read it. So, you know, long time coming. Very excited to have you on. Um, Stone, how are you doing, my guy? Uh, I'm doing pretty great. Uh, much like you, I'm a big fan of Evan, so it's really excited to talk to him and get his perspective on his uh, favorite team, the Chicago Bulls here. Absolutely. Davis, how are you doing? Uh, same as well. I'm, I'm doing good. I'm enjoying uh, being on this podcast, getting, getting a great guest and just keeping this thing going. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm good. Worked a long day. Uh, usually I'd be grumpy around this time, but not anymore. Uh, got a great pod to record. So we're just going to jump right into it. Um, the Bulls don't have a first round pick. Uh, they lost that uh, as a result of trading for Nikola Vucevic, uh, big Vooch. Um, so Evan, I'm going to throw it to you. Just maybe give us some like preliminary thoughts on what you think of that trade in terms of what it does for the bulls. And then also what you think of that trade in terms of the value proposition and losing that lottery pick. Yeah, it was, it was a tough call at the time. So I make no, no um, illusion that I'm like Wendell Carter Jr.'s biggest fanboy. Uh, he's one of my favorite players in the league. I have stand him and supported him for the longest time. Uh, and I think a lot of his, Uh, Lack of success, relative lack of success early on was um, frankly heavily on the Bulls and their development program and the organizational uh, kind of disorganization, I guess, um, of of how things are run over in Chicago, or at least how they were. Um, But the Vooch trade kind of signaled, you know, a moving forward point, a point at which the Bulls are choosing the direction they want to go with this roster. And they've, they've made a claim that it's time to compete now, time to build a winning team around Zach Levine. And what that meant is acquiring another all-star in, in Nikola Vucevic. Um, and so, yeah, it, it hurts to lose that lottery pick. Um, you know, especially it hurts given that the the injuries that the Bulls struggled at the end of the season meant that they did not make the play-in game uh, and thus did not get the the kind of early playoff run that that they were hoping for to um, provide some some proof of, of uh, concept there in terms of uh, what the trade means. But um, I think the, the roster is set up in uh, a really good way moving forward and the the direction is clear so now it becomes you know um, what do they what do the bulls put around these guys to to make the team successful um, in in the way modern basketball is played yeah absolutely um i've actually watched quite a few bulls games just in the past uh couple days because i'm working on a a, a sangoon piece alperin sangoon and uh obviously sort of a a parallel in the nba is someone like a uh, nikola vucevic um and at the time of the trade i was very low on it i thought it was a really bad asset play i just didn't think a center like vooch was worth uh the haul that was given up and and that's partially me probably just like you evan overrating 
uh, Wendell Carter Jr. I I loved him in the draft. I, I I loved him after. I thought a lot of the issues were not really his and were sort of a product of the environment he was in. Um, and I think we saw that towards the end of the season with a coach like Steve Clifford. He really he started to find himself a little bit. Not wasn't incredible or anything but started to become that player we all expected um but stone davis uh what are some thoughts you guys had on the trade at the time and and have your thoughts changed on it at all um i would i would say at the time i thought it was a fairly even deal fairly good for both sides honestly uh i would actually argue that i am wendell carter jr's biggest fan um (laughs) uh, he's someone that honestly might be like my favorite player of all time. And I'm not sure (laughs) it's a really a popular opinion, but uh, so I I think he's very smart in, in highly cerebral player. And I don't think the Bulls system really fit exactly his strengths. So going to the magic obviously benefits him a lot, but, but since this uh, podcast, this episode, this episode is centered around the Bulls. I think that what Vooch brings to the Bulls is not enough to really, it's not enough to really um, be worth the assets that they gave because now they're, they're sort of handicapped in terms of they need a true, they need a third star, right. For that team. They have the big two right now, but they really need a third star. And what do they give in order to acquire that third star that doesn't, that gets them over the hump, I guess, is the, is the way to frame this question because they have Kobe white, they have Patrick Williams. Those are great. They're building through the draft. Um, but are those guys going to be enough to get you that third star? Uh, and if it is, is that third star paired with the other two guys that they already have enough to really make you contenders? And I think that's the question the Bulls are really going to be faced with here. Um, and they've done well, I would say, throughout the draft in the past few years. Uh, they have Lowry Markinen, although he's probably likely gone this offseason, I would think. Uh, and then they have Kobe White and Patrick Williams. Um, but the Bulls' development system is just not there we saw it with Wendell Carter Jr. Kobe White has been okay I guess but there's just like fractions of his game haven't developed in the way that you might have hoped um same with Larry Markinen. I think a lot of this has to do with Jim Boylan and just the lack of confidence he's stripped from a lot of these young players um so I'm, I'm and I'm not really sure Billy Donovan is the guy to reinstill that confidence uh so there's a lot of questions surrounding the Bulls um, but it is really a fascinating team because they have so many different pieces and assets that are there. Just a matter of uh, finding the right assets to keep and blend them together to produce winning basketball. Yeah, and the the trade signaled you know a change in direction for the Bulls where they were going to start winning. But I think there are some still some some contextual elements of how the roster has been constructed that don't make a whole lot of sense if you're trying to play winning basketball right now. And you you touched on it so. Um, I do think Billy Donovan is a coach who, you know, I think that was kind of the first inclination that the Bulls were going to try to start winning basketball games soon is they hired a a ready-made coach. Uh, They didn't hire any of the wonderful assistants that they had um, been rumored to be interested in. They went with the sure thing. And I think there are, you know, pros and cons to Billy Donovan as a whole. Um, And I I too kind of have, have questions about his ceiling as a coach, especially as a coach who is developing young players. Um, But what he is good at is finding a role to contextualize everybody, to get them producing right away. 
Um, and I thought what he did with Kobe White this year was pretty interesting. I, I think um, he probably had his best developmental season so far in terms of how he plays the point guard position and, and how he works as a primary creator. Now, I do still have real concerns about Kobe as a primary creator. I think when it's time for winning basketball, Kobe will be more of a, a gunner, you know, a, a shot creator, um, but more so for himself and not for others. Um, but yeah, there's there's still some real question marks about how the rest of this roster is going to shake out. I think guys are in roles that fit well for them right now, but I think a couple of the guys on the roster are a bit overmatched in the role, just given the aspirations of the team and the organization as a whole. Um, so it remains to be seen. That's, I think, kind of one of the big um, question marks, I guess, about this draft is, you know, um, are Kobe and Pat going to be on the team, uh, you know, for the, the next year or two? Um, I, I'm pretty sure that Lowry Markkinen will not be um, when you trade for kind of a one-way big who who's mostly offense in Nikola Vucevic that you, you signal that Lowry Markkinen is not a huge priority um, since he's essentially the same but significantly worse on in that phase of play. Um, so yeah, the, uh, a, a lot still to be uh, answered in terms of what direction they want to go. Um, I think they could, you know, trade back into the first round uh, if they want to. I think um, they they could package, you know, even 38, uh, Kobe, Pat, and, and potentially future first, although the Stepien rule um, instills a little bit of an issue here because they traded this year's pick. Um, 23, the 23 pick is also uh, promised to the Magic, and I think that one is unprotected. Um, but the theory behind the trade was always that the 23 pick was hopefully going to be bad and the Bulls were going to be winning by then. So uh, we'll see what they do. I think there's going to be a lot of questions to be answered in free agency as well. But um, yeah, it's it's an exciting time to be a Bulls fan for sure. Yeah, and that's they're such an interesting team. Um, for me, one of the more consistently surprising players in the league is Zach Levine. Um, I just and still like I still wonder, you know, how good is he and, and that's not like saying he's bad it's just a matter of like what level of a you know I don't like to use the term like bucket getter but but that's sort of his role is he's like a pure scorer he's a two guard who who runs an okay pick and roll if he's trying to score for himself but that's kind of his whole that's ho his whole role it, it's sort of a question of how good of a player is he in that role because the the thresholds for that are just incredibly high it's something we talk about a lot in this draft with like a cam thomas uh, guys like that it's just the thresholds you have to reach are are really really high and I, and I wonder what level he can get them to as they as the primary offensive player um, not just the primary score but in general he just has to build the role of primary for the offense um but we talked, we talked a little bit about building a roster around those two. Um, and Evan, I, I want to get your, your, your hard, hard opinions on like what that looks like, like what holes specifically need to be filled. Um, what players currently on the roster do you think really makes sense long-term? Uh, maybe we'll, we'll have a little Patrick Williams discourse as well. Uh, he's someone who has really changed my mind. So Evan, I'm going to throw it back to you. Just, just what are some holes that the Bulls need to fill? Yeah, well, you you segued me into it perfectly here because I think when you rely on Zach Levine as kind of your primary creator of offense, especially on the perimeter, he has definitely improved in his ability to distribute the ball and get others easy opportunities. He's much better at leveraging his gravity now than he ever was before. But still, you know, if you throw a double at him, he can get a little bit of the deer in the headlights look uh, from time to time. Um, but 
what Arturis Karnisovis and co have, have always stated basically since they took over running this team, this front office, is that they value a roster of players uh, with, with multiple threats who can dribble, pass, and shoot. And to me, that's exactly what you want to put around a, a team whose primary offensive threats are Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic, right? So Levine kind of struggles with some of that primary creation, but he's definitely improved there. And he's got just insane gravity as a scorer, either, either on ball, on ball or, or, or off ball. Um, and Vooch is an opportunistic playmaker as well. He can score at all three levels. Uh, he's a fantastic pick and roll partner because he can pass too. Um, so that makes that pick and roll duo incredibly unpredictable. Um, and so if you're creating those advantages consistently, what you need your other three players on the court to do is one, carry their own weight on the defensive end and two, uh, be able to pick apart those advantages further. Um, if, if need be, especially on the weak side, uh, when they run that kind of empty corner pick and roll. Um, and so I think there are a couple players still on the roster and honestly, this roster has, still has a lot of question marks. Um, there's not too many players, um, who are under contract for next season, but there's also not that much money to deal with in, in free agency. Um, especially if the Bulls, you know, retain some of their free agents. Um, you know, I'm talking, I'm thinking like Thad Young has a partial guarantee on his last year. Thomas Sedaransky has a partial guarantee on his last year. Uh, they're not super clean fits at every point in terms of what uh, AK wants to build this roster into. I think they both kind of have some some question marks there. Um, but what this team really needs is dribble pass, shoot wings, uh, and a, a point guard who can both kind of take a backseat to Zach in terms of creation, but still be opportunistic in that role when it presents itself. And more importantly than anything, this team needs pick and roll defense, like desperately. Point of, or I'm sorry, point of attack defense, desperately. Um, one of the worst point of attack defensive teams I have seen in probably the last five to 10 years, watching Levine and Kobe White try to contain at the point of attack was frankly pretty frustrating, nine in and nine out. And I think a lot of the discourse around Wendell's defensive performances was kind of on the back of those two guys' inability to contain. Um, it's very, very difficult to play drop coverage when you can't rely on your point of attack defenders to to contain that initial pressure. And what that results in is, uh, you know, an unpredictability for the other three players on the court in terms of what their defensive role is and what their assignment is going to be, where the rotation is going to end up. So what I'm looking for in this draft, um, it'd be great to get a dribble pass shoot wing, and I do have some some preferred options there. Um, one in particular who I'm, I'm desperately hoping is, is going to fall and he's not, he's not going to, I can tell you right now, he's probably not going to, um, but we can hope. And maybe if he falls enough, the bulls will, um, be opportunistic and, and try to trade up a couple spots for him. Um, but I think there are some pretty solid kind of combo guard or, or smaller guard with initiation problems, um, who can defend at point of attack in that kind of 30 to 40 range. And so that's not that's not a bad backup plan uh, if, if you can't get a dribble pass shoot wing, especially since they're uh, in high demand and, and kind of low supply. Yeah, absolutely. And and we'll dive more into the draft in, in just a second. But you you just gave me so much to work with there. I, uh, I, I have to talk about just like I think every I agree and, and love everything you said about how, you know, the best things to possibly get are. Uh, uh, you know, on ball defenders who can really defend a pick and roll, try and contain and also defend an ISO because I think Zach Levine is actually an okay isolation defender, but you still want a little bit more there. Um, and also you want some dribbling, passing and shooting at every position, but it's also, is there a more rare commodity in NBA basketball than wings who can triple pass and shoot, but also aren't superstars? It's sort of like 
it's it's sort of the tough proposition when you decide to build around two one-way players one of which isn't a great playmaker and the other of which is is not a great like individual scorer it's sort of it's sort of the tough proposition they've built for themselves um not that they can't get out of it not that this can't be a contending team almost any team with two all-stars can be a contending team with the right context around them but i think they're they're at a really difficult spot um but with that being said you mentioned some names you want to bring up and uh, we're all about the draft here so evan uh, just give us all the names who you, who you really like here um on the bulls uh you know aside from kate cunningham sadly um just just who are some guys uh either in this range or even if you have some trade-up ideas whatever it may be who are some guys who you think kind of fill those holes for the bulls yeah so the the guy i mentioned before um who i would absolutely love to fall who definitely isn't going to make it to the bulls unless they get pretty aggressive with trading up is uh roko prakachin i think he would be a fantastic fit for what they want to do um it's funny that you mentioned you know the the fact that um dribble pass shoot wings are in in low supply because i would agree with that uh and you you said you know um or you were kind of wondering if there was any other archetype that's even more rare um, funny enough, the only archetype that I might consider to be as rare as dribble pass shoot wings is like secondary rim protector fours who can play either forward spot and, uh, contain for a center who is not known as a super adept rim protector. Um, and, and I think Roko can kind of do a little bit of all of that, which is why he's such a perfect fit for me, but I don't think he's going to fall. So I'm trying not to get my hopes up. Um, but yeah, the, the other options in the range kind of for me are, are, um, obviously you have to take best player available of somebody that's, you know, probably mocked in like my, or, or like early twenties on my board or in my top three, three and a half tiers. If they fall, you kind of just take them and figure it out later. You can always reconfigure the roster, but guys who I think would be good fits who might be available in that range. I'm thinking like David Johnson. I'm thinking like Deuce McBride, um, you know, potentially Kessler Edwards is available. I think he'd be a really good fit. Um, Man, uh, Joel Ayayi would be a fantastic fit. I think he pairs really great next to Zach Levine and can cover a, a lot of his weaknesses while not requiring too much usage. Um, and I do think there are potentially some dribble pass shoot wing bets in, in the second round. Uh, maybe a guy like BJ Boston falls a little bit further. I know I've seen him mocked in the second pretty frequently by the uh, the, the larger draft analysts like Sam Vecini and stuff like that. Um, there's kind of a whole host of options in, in that, that late first, early second round who could reasonably avail, be available at the Bulls pick who might be a good bet. But frankly, I, I think the Bulls are going to have to fix this roster mostly through free agency and trades. So if we are acquiring a guy in the draft, I somewhat doubt that he's going to be on this team when it comes time to play, you know, important playoff games. I'm looking at how Billy Donovan treated even Devon Dotson last year. Uh, and that was extremely frustrating for me because he was a priority undrafted free agent. He's a guy I thought should have gone in the the late first to early second round, and and he slipped all the way down undrafted. The Bulls signed him. Um, he's, I believe, a hometown guy, um, and he fits a lot of what the Bulls needed in terms of point of attack defense and rim pressure. Just didn't play basically at all. Uh, Ryan Archidiakono was getting minutes ahead of him. So, yeah, those are a couple names who are kind of in the range that I think would be good bets, but... Uh, it remains to be seen, you know, like who falls and, and who's left. And unfortunately, um, a, a lot of the guys that I thought might have been kind of nice wing bets um, have, have dropped out of the draft in Terrence Shannon Jr. and uh, Ochaya Agbaji. Um, so those those were kind of tough hits for me. Yeah, I think Terrence Shannon Jr. would have been like a perfect fit for the Bulls, honestly. Yeah. It was really, 
Yeah, disappointed when he when he dropped out. Another guy um, that I think would uh, fill a lot of those sort of roles that you're looking for. Uh, also, another hometown guy would be maybe Ayo Desumu, um, someone I think who can dribble, pass, shoot, and defend. Um, maybe not all at like great levels, but at somewhat capable levels. So I think having him in there as a guy who can uh, fill some backup point guard minutes instead of maybe Archie Diacono um, and, and provide a little bit of that uh, could be big for them, especially defense. I think their point of attack defense is lacking, like you said, and I think um, that's something Desumi really excels at, is just sealing off the point of attack. So I, I think he would be a really good fit there for, for the Bulls at 38, if he were to fall that far. Yeah, and he's big enough that he allows them to play three-guard lineups, which is something that Billy Donovan has shown somewhat of a proclivity for. He's a hometown guy, which, I mean, I went to University of Illinois, so shout out Io. He's one of my favorite college basketball players. Uh, I do have some question marks about the ball handling ability, but the great thing about kind of the range that he's projected to go is that nobody's kind of really drafting him as as a lead ball handler. You know, you can kind of let him get on the get on the court, keep himself on the court with his defense, uh, versatile defense at kind of two guard spots and a little bit of smaller threes. Um, he can run the break, great transition player, um, and and the Bulls could do a better job running, I think. And you're not gonna you know ask him to make tough pick and roll reads or handle too much, which they're going to leave up to the stars. So I think he could play kind of either with the starting unit in stretch minutes if necessary, or could do a little bit more uh, on the bench as well. So yeah, he'd be a great fit. I really like that, that pick as well. Yeah. Yeah. Ed Davis. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I like, I like a lot of the names brought up. Um, I also just wanted to, to throw in, I know the, uh, the, the pick and roll, the pick and roll defense is a problem, especially the, uh, the guard defense. So um, I, I would think of, also think of a guy like Aaron Henry. Um, I know he's he's projected in that second round range. Uh, really good defender. The shot is a little questionable at the moment, um, but the defense is there already, um, and he would be able to provide that right away. So I I, I like Aaron Henry there. Another guy uh, I'm I'm really high on. Um, kind of bring him up all the time. Jason Preston. Uh, he's a a good backup point guard um facilitator decent shot decent shot making um he does need does need a little a little bit of room to develop which obviously chicago has has had trouble with but um i like i like aaron henry there a lot um preston i like basically for almost every team but i I actually like the 38th pick and and the depth in, in this draft and and just the the fact the bulls have so many ways that they can go with the with the pick yeah, I think this is a pretty combo guard heavy draft, and a lot of the combo guards available in this draft are going to be available at the Bulls pick probably, uh, and and have some defensive uh, defensive chops as well. So, it's really not a bad year to not have. I mean, it's a great first round as well. But like, if you're going to give up your first round pick in any year, and you have the needs that the Bulls have, this is not a bad place to to try to fill some of those needs at least in the future case. Obviously, these guys are going to take some time to develop. Um, but I like that you mentioned Aaron Henry. I, I do think he's a fantastic defender. I think the shot has improved. He got a little bit better at some of the self-creation stuff too, just because Mich- Michigan State frankly required it of him. They didn't really have anybody else with that on-ball juice. And, you know, he's an older guy, more experienced, and a pretty pretty tough to stop scorer in, in the Big Ten, you know, just given that he is so experienced, he is so strong. And um, that worked out pretty well for him. I, I think I'd like that pick too. Uh, I, I have some questions about Jason Preston. So I really like him too. 
Um, I don't know if I like him for the Bulls just because I think the shot is going to take some time to develop. Now, the thing with Preston is that he's a late bloomer. I mean, he was like blogging like us a couple of years ago, you know, with no D1 offers. So um, some of that that latent upside could be there and present for him and, and you know, in the, the physicality and, and like the body size, you know, uh, body measurements that he has, like that's a pretty enticing prospect um, that late. Um, it's just that with the off ball shooting, I think there are some real question marks there, at least early on. And that would be the role that I think would get him on the court most often early on because Billy Donovan is, is I mean, t- time and time again, coaches trust Ryan Archidiakono to deputize at the point guard spot when needed because like, it's not going to be flashy. It's not going to be sexy, but he makes the right read. He really doesn't screw up and the effort is always there. Um, so there's not a whole lot you can you can kind of shake your head at in terms of, you know, an end of the bench guard uh, who's going to be asked to deputize here and there. Um, so I just wonder if, you know, drafting another point guard, especially one that has some shooting concerns early on, um, might limit his ability to develop into that role, to get the playing time he needs to get the reps, especially for a late and upside guy like Preston, just given that, like, you know, he hasn't played that much basketball in his life at a high level. So the more reps, the better to, to kind of expedite that process. But yeah, definitely someone who I think is really interesting. Um, and I, I definitely wouldn't be upset if the Bulls drafted him. I just kind of have some questions about how the fit works early on. And maybe some of the roster, the way that shakes out, um, could be helpful for him there too. Yeah. Go ahead, Stone. Oh, uh, go, go ahead. Because I was just going to move on. <laughs> okay. Well, I was going to hit on, you mentioned uh, something with Preston. And it's that you talk a lot about. And I, I want to hit on it, Evan. It's just, you mentioned like, like it's maybe not the best context for him to develop. And that's something you're somewhat known for is talking about your, your understanding of development through, uh, through your neurological background, um, stuff that's way too smart for me. Um, and I just, I find that really interesting. And, and the bulls are sort of, in, sort of an interesting case for that. Um, and that kind of goes back to two names. Um, I kind of wanted to hit on before we move on. Um, and they're, probably going to have to be trade-up targets i don't think they're going to fall to 38 um but i think you would have the ammo to get them you could probably move up to the you know the nets have the 27th pick i don't know if they want a first rounder on their payroll i could see them moving back for another second rounder and just doing the bucks and just having as many cheap guys as possible because the second rounders count below league minimum um and and those are uh josh primo and josh christopher um sort of interesting bets like long-term to kind of fill that dribble pass shoot wing um sort of almost like not quite near near the level of a prospect patrick williams is but sort of like how he's more of a long-term bet to fill that in in two three four years when maybe vucevic is kind of aging out of his prime and levine is kind of in the center of it uh guys like like Patrick Williams, I expected that point to be pretty close to an all-star caliber player, unless things go really south with his development. Um, I think Primo and Christopher both have some potential to to shoot and to dribble and pass. Uh, both really interesting defensive prospects as well, and they both play that that rare most important position in basketball, and that's the wing. Um, so I kind of wanted to just get your thought and and Stone and Davis, you guys want to hop into just like what you think of those two guys on the Bulls? Would they have any immediate impact or or do you like their fit long-term with the roster if, if there's no immediate impact? Yeah, those yeah. are good questions and two really interesting guys to bring up too. I'm a bit of a relative latecomer to the Josh Primo experience, um, but he's he's really been a late riser kind of with this combine and, and stuff. And when you look at his age, you look at his numbers, he's a pretty enticing prospect. 
Um, if you guys have are, are familiar with PD's uh, kind of pre-drafting work, Primo for me is a guy who I see as pretty a pretty optimal candidate per, for pre-drafting. Now, I wonder if that means he will go in the late first or um, if he will end up in the second round. I think I would probably bet on the latter, but like he's so young, that's that's something that's really enticing, I think. And we've seen AK definitely values younger players, especially if you, you show something real at that age, um, because age is you know a pretty solid indicator that there is room to work and room to grow still, especially if you're producing in a very tough conference in the SEC at such a young age. So... I think he's interesting. Um, I think he'd be an interesting fit too. I don't know if he'll take too long for the Bulls to be interested in that. But I mean, at the end of the day, like if he's the, the most enticing prospect available, why not take the flyer? Develop in, in your system, show some proof of concept that, you know, uh, you as an organization who has struggled to develop young players in the in the past has improved at it. And and here's, here's a, a, a case where that has been uh, true. That would be fun. Um, I think Jacob is a ton of fun. Um, I do think he would definitely have to be a trade-up target. I kind of have him just outside my my lotto, kind of in my early 20s, I think. Um, I think his defense is going to keep him on the court early on, especially um, while he works on a little bit more of that catch-and-shoot stuff. He has shown himself to be a tough shot maker, so I, I think the, the kind of audacity is there, and that's something you like to see from those dribble-pass-shoot-wing prospects. Um, the decision-making is a little hit or miss for me, and I wonder if that might be something that uh, the Bulls front office is somewhat disinterested in. Um, I think they definitely kind of try to take players who are known to be good decision-makers instead of trying to develop it, but we've only got one draft to prove that so far, so I mean, I could be totally wrong there. Um, but yeah, both guys are lots of fun. Um, I would not at all be upset with either pick, especially uh, Jacob, but that would mean that you'd have to trade up and I like that you mentioned the Nets pick because one of the avenues for the Bulls to potentially get into the first round is, and we talked about this at the trade deadline last year, Thad Young was balling last year and a contender could really use him. I still have question marks about how he fits with Vooch. Um, you know, even though you can still play that four out one in basketball with Thad being the one in, um, and he does cover, cover up some of those rim protection woes um, that, that Vooch can experience at points. I still don't know if he's the optimal fit at the four to play next to Booch. And so I think there are teams that would definitely be interested. Now, he does have a flexible contract, but there is only like, I think it's one and a half years left or, or like give, if you don't take the, the guarantee, maybe it's just one year. Um, so I don't know if they could get a pick for that, but I, I was mocking potentially trading uh, or projecting potentially trading Thad for a late first round pick this year. So that I think that's an avenue. Um, Sadoransky, same same deal, but probably a less enticing prospect for for most teams. Although he does have that kind of sexy glue guy archetype that everybody is looking for um, on their on their winning basketball teams. Um, so that could be an option. Trading back into the first without giving up thirty eight, without giving up the young guys, just remains to be seen if one of those kind of contenders really thinks one of those two guys is worth it. Because I don't see a whole lot of other avenues to adding that late first round pick without giving up, you know, maybe Kobe uh, or something like that. Yeah, I yeah. think that's a good point because with, with that, I mean, he, I don't think his values are going to get much higher than he made it last season because he, he played like out of his mind last year for relative to expectations. So capitalizing on the value that he brought himself when the Bulls aren't necessarily uh, going to be contenders might be a good idea for them just because um, you could probably get more value out of that than he's going to give to you. Um, that said, is there, I know we've talked about like a lot of guys who would be really good fits for the Bulls. Is there any like 
draft night um, scenarios that would be like nightmarish to you, where it's like either a guy they pick at 38 or, or a trade they move into the first to draft somebody bad or just a trade in general? Like, is there anything um, that you would really like to not see happen on draft night? Yeah, that's actually a really good question. Um, I think the most frustrating outcomes for me is if there's somebody left on the board who I consider to be a pretty optimal fit for what the Bulls struggle with. Like, especially a good a good example I'm thinking of is like if Deuce McBride somehow falls to 38 and the Bulls pass on him, like especially for a big, especially like a traditional big or something like that, I would be pretty frustrated with that outcome just given the, the use of your resources especially given how limited they are and like the understanding of what this team needs. Um, now, if they do see Vooch playing alongside another big, kind of like some of the minutes he played with Daniel Tice last year, maybe that's an avenue they want to explore, especially if it's, you know, somebody like Dayron Sharp, who is a, a an excellent passer in his own right, um, who can kind of play, uh, I wouldn't call him dribble pass shoot, but um, can can do a little bit of that ancillary stuff and, and be a, a secondary rim protector. Um, I don't love the idea of playing too big. So I think drafting a, a center, a traditional center, especially, um, especially if they have to give up or pass on, on some of those guys that I mentioned before, that would be pretty bad for me. Um, but I don't see it as super, super likely. So fingers crossed it doesn't happen. I'm going to be knocking on some wood since I, I just put that out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, <laughs> I, I think the two consistent themes that have come up when we ask people about their nightmare scenario is if it's at the top of the draft, it's Davion Mitchell. And if it's if it's not, then it's drafting any sort of big. Um, everyone seems to be kind of low on bigs and it really yeah. makes sense. Here. It's just, you know, with Vooch, it's, it's just sort of a, a weird situation. Um, I don't know what type of optimal big plays with Vooch. If you were to try and do any like two big lineups, I just, I just don't see it. Um, you know, maybe like you, like you said, like a Rocco, if you consider him a big, uh, I, Stone should be proud of me. I refrained from just gushing about Rocco for the rest of this pod. I'm, I'm proud of myself. <laughs> Uh, cause I, I definitely am prone to do such things. Uh, Rocco is great. He would be, he would absolutely be the pick at 38. If he fell that far, I, he should be the pick at 20. If you could trade up to 20, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but uh, this has been a really interesting pod. I'm, I'm like racking my brain to see if there's anything else I want to hit on before you go, because it's, it, it's really great to have, like, have such a smart person on the podcast who like your work is seriously great. Um, just also got a uh, shout out JRE for a stone on at the 30th oh, pick. Yeah, that'll yeah. that'll be a good fit there as well. Yeah. Good fit anyway. <laughs> yeah, one guy I didn't mention, I'd love to get your opinion on him. Uh and I know a lot of Bulls fans are talking about him potentially being available at the 38th pick and and being a good fit. What do you guys think of Quentin Grimes? I uh, so I've been like relatively skeptical of Grimes throughout his career, but um, I mean, this season and uh, even at the combine, however much that means or how much stock you put into that, uh, obviously really showed out in terms of his three-point shooting and uh, took on some point guard duties too this year. So he's interesting. Um, I, I think him and Dotson are really going to be fighting for minutes if they were to take him. I think um, that's interesting because I, I think out of those two, one of them ends up losing out in rotation minutes if you were to take Grimes, um, which I guess is the case for uh, other guys we've also mentioned already. Um, but Grimes is interesting with the Bulls because 
I'm I'm not sure I like his point of attack defense as much as other guys we've mentioned, but um, obviously the shooting and the ability to play some point guard minutes for stretches and, and handle a bit is interesting. So I don't hate the pick there, honestly, and Grimes is somebody that I've actually recently sort of come around on. So um, that would be an interesting pick there, um, dependent upon who else is available. Yeah, he's not my first option there for sure. Like I, I would definitely prefer a Deuce McBride or a David Johnson especially, but he I, he does kind of seem to fit what we need and and maybe that's, you know, eschewing high potential, high ceiling for somebody who fits right now, um, which can be a somewhat fraught exercise when you're a team that wants to win because rookies are generally bad right away. Um, and if you're drafting a guy expecting him to fill a role early on, you're, you're probably going to be disappointed. Um, he wo- he wouldn't be competing with Devon Dotson probably for minutes, um, if only because Dotson only signed a one-year deal, and I cannot imagine that he'll want to come back after not playing basically at all last year. And, and like credit to him because uh, I, I would have played him a lot more minutes than he was getting. Yeah, that's fair. I actually thought he was on for a two, but yeah, if it's a one, then I wish. Hey, friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, it wouldn't be too bad. It's kind of like a backup plan, not something I'm like super adamant about as our best possible option, but. You know, if worst came to worst, like I, that wouldn't that wouldn't be bad at all, in my opinion. Who, um, before we get out of here, are like some names that you think are sort of under the radar as maybe undrafted free agents? Like uh, Devon Dotson is able, you guys were able to get him as an undrafted. Is there anybody this year that you would be really uh, stoked about getting that late uh, as an undrafted guy? Yeah, I don't know. There's just a couple guys that I'm kind of interested in. Uh, I think Raekwon Gray would be cool. I don't think he's like necessarily a perfect fit. I just like love him and think he's fun as hell. Um, and he's like experienced, you know, so if, if there's any rookie who's going to be kind of closer to providing something substantial uh, and he doesn't go or if, if he doesn't get drafted, that might not be a bad a bad shot in the dark. Um, do you guys know if Chandler Vaudrin went back to school? Nope, he's he declared I was gonna bring him. Hell yeah, yes, that would be yeah. sweet. Uh, that's a dribble pass shoot wing yep. bet in in the second. That might be interesting. absolutely. I, um, I I don't think I feel like he doesn't yeah. have much draft buzz. Like uh, yeah. I just I just watched a ton of his tape because I didn't even have him ranked, and uh, I moved him into my draftable tier. Um, I he he fills that dribble pass shoot. Um, probably gonna be problematic on defense um but with an undrafted pick i you can only ask so much six seven um really smart decision maker and really consistent something i noticed with baudrin if you look through his game to game stats if you watch him game to game he doesn't disappear um he's consistently running a solid offense and just a really smart player um and another another name who kind of fills that is uh, ethan thompson from oregon state uh just another guy who consistently made smart decisions um i'm i'm uh partial to pack 12 guys so i really like ethan thompson uh, just a big body too um he's only six five but he's really he's kind of built like matt mitchell a little bit and uh you know they say fat is potential in disguise and as a former fat kid i i can't help but agree so uh i really like ethan thompson um just any guy like i feel like if the bulls are going to take uh take an undrafted free agent especially if it's going to be on a two-way um they should probably learn from their mistake and not take a guard um just 
there's just it's the same with bigs every time i see a big on a two-way it's just, there's less role for them it's a lot harder to see the floor when you only do when you're not positionally flexible the reason someone like a yuda watanabe got minutes on a two-way it's not just because he's good at basketball though i think he is very good at basketball it's just it, it's partially because if you needed him to step in at the three he could if he needed to play the four he could so if you take guys who are just big enough that you can comfortably fill them in a lineup just in a pinch. Uh, I think that goes a long way towards really separating like the best constructed rosters from rosters who, who are really dying out in the middle of the season due to injury. Yeah. Uh, Henry Ward put me on Chandler Vaudrin right before the tournament. And I was just kind of like, wowed seeing him playing at, at a relatively low level, like given his skill set. He's just like, like you said, like a, a big wing, you know, he can do a little bit of everything. He's a great decision maker, which I know is something this front office and uh, I myself highly value. Um, so he'd be a lot of fun. Another guy that I was kind of thinking of in that undrafted range is John Petty from Alabama. I think he'd be a lot of fun. And just like you were talking about, you know, that, that kind of three, four versatility is really helpful because um, one of the, the kind of description that PD has given in the past for, for the modern four is that they're a sin eater, like a roster construction sin eater. And what he means by that, or at least what I, I took that to mean is like, you build your, your one through three and your five spot. And then you're like, all right, what, do, what skills do we need? Like what fits around these guys? And I think that's why that secondary rim protector four is so tough to come by because they're in short supply uh, and the number of teams that need them is pretty high, especially since, you know, teams like the Bucks have popularized that that shooting big. Now, Brooke protects the rim, um, but a lot of shooting bigs don't see the Bulls. So uh, that that's definitely something that's really valuable. Um, I think he'd just be like, like a good kind of shot in the dark in that range. Like I, I was always impressed with him when I, I watched him play at Alabama. It seemed like every time he shot, it went in. So uh, that definitely kind of like a, a, a salience bias there. But, um, you know, in the undrafted free agent range, like, you know, you're, you're kind of looking on... Looking at, like, you know, if you've got an NBA skill, I'm going to take a bet, especially if there's some upside there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm always down for my basketball comic crossovers. Sin Eater, Spider-Man villain, killed Jane DeWolf. Pretty solid story. Uh, I want to say early 90s. So, uh, no. Uh, but in all seriousness, yeah, you mentioned, you know, NBA skills. That's sort of what you're looking for. That's sort of what I, when I when I went back, I, I, I recently put out a board, uh, has way more people on it than, uh then it should probably, but it's just sort of like when you're looking at these guys who are undrafted, you're kind of just like, what's an NBA skill? You know, there's a Danny Pippen uh, from Kent state who's just, he shot eight threes per game despite shooting 31%. He just has like supreme confidence in himself and a uh, really interesting shot maker in the mid range. Hopefully can extend that out uh, more consistently. Uh, and EB Watson from Dayton is just a really solid athlete with some interesting shooting indicators even someone like a Malcolm Casalon, I believe is staying in this draft from France. Just he's someone who, who is, is a weird bet, but could maybe be a drill pass shoot wing or even like a clay mounts uh, could be a drill pass shoot. Like just, you know, when you're a team like this, and I, I would say any team with an undrafted pick, like I would take any wings, I guess not an undrafted pick, an undrafted free agent, just any wings who, who might have an NBA skill because they'll figure it out. Like, like I mentioned with Yuta, one of my favorite players this last year, he 
is sort of that sin eater as a as a secondary rim protector, really solid help defender, and and he can exist okay offensively. That's all it takes to be an NBA player sometimes when you're six nine and and somewhat athletic. If you can find that guy undrafted, you should try. And and I you know I was always lower on Devon Dotson. Uh, sorry to break it to you, Stone and Evan. I think you guys both like him. Uh, but I, I never really got that undrafted signing for them other than it was just pure value. And I get that, but I just think there's when taking undrafted free agents and even back end second round picks, I think uh, we should be more open to just taking big guys who could potentially exist on one side or the other, other with a clear offense or clear offensive or defensive skill, you know, a Jordan shackle or just someone like that, just trying to, build a roster with as much positional flexibility as possible at the back end, because that way, if you're, you know, if you're starting two guard gets hurt, you're not scrambling. You're, you have uh, your backup who can step in and a third string wing who can ba- play the backup. That's uh, but that's, that's a lot of team building talk. And uh, you know, this has been so great. Evan is great. He's one of the best people on Twitter. Uh, the, the King of George Costanza, um, the best hair on draft Twitter as well, or I guess it's just NBA Twitter for you. You're, you're, you're a jack of all trades. Um, so Evan, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Tell the people everywhere they can find your stuff, plug some premium hoops. Cause uh, I'm a Stan. So just, just plug it all out there. Yeah, you bet. Uh, again, thank you guys so much for having me on. It's been so much fun. Uh, I was talking to Bryce before this, before we got on and like the, the, the team preview pods you guys have been doing for this draft have been fantastic. Um, I called this the the summer of upside swings uh, in in my best Costanza voice. So I really do believe that to be the case. You guys have been kicking ass. Um, you can find my work on Twitter at uh, easy underscore hoops. Um, I'm I'm generally just you know shit posting, hanging out. Couple occasionally I'll clip some games, stuff like that. Uh, live tweeting. Uh, I write at premiumhoops.org and also at uh, my own site easyhoops.co. Um, might have something coming for another outlet here in the near future. If I can get myself to write it, that would be uh, a lot of fun. Uh, and then take a, a listen to my own podcast that we mentioned kind of at the top of this one, uh, Sense and Scalability with my, my co-host Cody Hodek and Scott Levine. Um, we do a lot of you know roster construction philosophy, scouting philosophy, a tactical breakdowns and stuff like that. And it, it's just a, a ton of fun to record every week or now that we're in the playoffs a little bit more irregularly than every week so that we can make sure we watch all the games. But uh, yeah, you can find me on all that stuff. And uh, thanks again, you guys, for having me on. It was a ton of ton of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, follow Evan everywhere you can. Uh, it's always worth it. His work is great. Sets scalability up there with the dunker spot. It's like some of the best NBA pod work out there. So very, it's a consistent listen for, listen for me, always in the rotation. And then also, uh, before I let Stone and Davis plug themselves, I wanted to say a uh, friend of the pod and former guest um mark schindler uh just opened up a patreon and you know i never asked you guys to give money if you can't but if you can uh i would really recommend that his work is great he's a great guy uh and i just i, I want to spread that as far as i can um stone let the people know uh where they can find you and what they got to do yeah um i second everything you said to follow evan and uh, uh if you can definitely donate or uh give to the patreon that mark started up today um, that said, you can follow me at report underscore court on Twitter. Pretty much all my draft stuff is there. Upside swings related and otherwise. Uh, if you want to follow the podcast, it's at upside swings. And then if you guys want to just uh, rate and review us, give us five stars, helps us grow our audience and uh, justify being able to do this for you guys. So um, <clears throat> it would definitely help us out a lot.
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mr. Ryan Davis, you want people to know where they can find you? Yeah, so you can go ahead and find me on Twitter um, at Sports by Davis. Um, all mock drafts, all the all the big boards, all all the all the good stuff on that page. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14 on Twitter. Again, follow at Easy Hoops, uh, one of the best follows on all of Twitter. Uh, this has been the Upside Swings Draft Podcast. We want to thank Evan again. We want to thank everyone for listening. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you. We'll be right back.